Welcome to In Their 20s, a podcast created for people in their 20s. Today, we spoke with Sekou Kaland, who is the head of the Northeast Division of Consumer Banking at J.P. Morgan Chase, where he oversees a thousand branches in five regions with 10,000 employees and over $300 billion in deposits and investments. Prior to this role, Kaland launched and was the head of Advancing Black Pathways, a J.P. Morgan Chase program created to help Black individuals, families, and businesses achieve sustained economic success. So let's jump in with Sekou to hear all about his amazing amazing professional journey. Well, Sekou, I, again, just want to thank you so much. I know how busy you are. Uh, we really appreciate you hopping on our podcast. Um, this is really going to impact a lot of students and young professionals um, who, again, are really confused on what they need to be doing right now in their professional careers. Yeah, uh, yeah. So just to be able to hear your perspective, it really means a lot. No, my pleasure. Happy to do this. So, so Sekou, I want to go to the beginning. Uh, thinking back to your college days at Hampton, Sydney, and Duke, uh, you focused a lot on public policy. I want to know, you know, what those college days were like and when you first became interested in helping others and when you really remember for the first time making an impact in someone else's life. It's uh, a great way to start, uh, but I will uh, say I need to go way back from college to actually, actually uh, kindergarten uh, because at five, I said I wanted to uh, run for U.S. Senate uh, because I told my mother I wanted to help make laws that help poor uh, people. And so I was always anchored, actually, throughout school, high school, class president, everything I did centered around economic development, even at, at that uh, early age. And so by the time I got to college, you know, it was really a continuation of a journey that I had started. Now, at the time, I didn't know as much on, you know, how you would go about impact. And, and all the you know, various ways to do so. I was probably more anchored in only public sector is the way to do it. Uh, and so I, in, in college, then naturally focused on thinking about either law school and then I did internships in the White House, Treasury, Housing, Urban Development, because for me, it was like that, that is the way you can uh, make impact. But I would say if I were to go back and say, go back and reflect on what impact moments I had in college. Um, I used to, you know, when I had my own sense of frustration, I would volunteer then. And I volunteered at the local public school uh, near Hamden Sydney College, it, which it's in the, near the metropolis of Farmville, Virginia. Uh, so if you don't know Farmville, Virginia, what is significant about Farmville, Virginia, it was part of the cases for the Brown versus Topeka Board of Education. And so rather than desegregate their schools as the ruling uh, dictated, they closed their school system. So you had years of blacks not even being educated in Farmville, Virginia. So if you can imagine the remnants and impact over time, over generations for you know, people missing the opportunity to be educated in public schools. And so I would volunteer uh, at this uh, particular, at the, the uh, elementary school, middle school, et cetera, and so you could see the impact of your presence being there, that you gave people something to aspire to, uh, to think about college, you know, it, it, the art of the possible, to get them to think about, you know, what they can do. And they see this person in college and, and the responsibility of coming back to help. And so fast forward many years uh, later, I happened to be speaking at an alumni reunion. And, you know, a kid comes up to me. And it's like, 
you used to volunteer in my class. You know, I, I graduated from college and that's when, you know, you get old, you're no longer in your twenties, I'll say. And it was just fascinating to know that when you least suspect it, by just doing the right thing and being willing to make a difference, you don't even know later on who may come back to you and say, because of what you said, or because of the time you invested, or because of the example you showed me, I believe I could do fill in the blank. And so that would be years later, I saw the impact that I was having. And at the time, you were only focused on trying to help students. I love hearing that perspective so much. I mean, here you are walking the same halls where there's just so much history that you really felt that energy. And then, you know, thinking about the actual impact of, you know, the work that you were doing, you never probably thought like, okay, like, you know, this person that I help right now or touch the life of, you know, they're going to come back in you know, X amount of years and be thankful. You know, you were just doing what you love to do. Um, and that's true impact. So it must have been just. Really in fact, cool. I would say I was just really making sure they, you know, were working on reading and math. So <laughs> I, I didn't have a grandiose plan that, you know, oh, today I, I'm going to help shape life of a future president. Nope, that, no, that wasn't it. It was, I was just, especially at that point in my life, it was just, I knew I had a responsibility to constantly do what I could to, to help others. And so I've always been anchored in that. And, and at the time I couldn't conceive that these small things you do over time really create opportunities uh, for others. Of course, and that's what makes it even more special um, and really means a lot. So awesome, thank you for sharing that. So wanna fast forward a little bit to your 20s because of course on this podcast, we love extracting you know, the actual skills or you know, actual techniques yeah. that a lot of these amazing professionals developed in their 20s. If you're thinking back to your 20s, what are some daily routines that you developed that you still use today? Wow, that, that's a great one. Uh, so daily routines. I, you know, what I would say is, uh, even in my 20s, and maybe I perfected it, you know, as I got, you know, later in life. But if you recognize that you do have a need for routine, like if I if I look at your calendar now, it'll tell me what you value, right? So if if you spend 24 hours a day and you you broke it down, like how how much time you're spending reading or on your goals or you know, exercising, being healthy. So what I would say is the, the fact that I recognized that I needed that schedule, that I needed to, sh to, to be, have clarity at least on how, if I set these particular goals, how do I then account for how I use my day? And is it done in a way that's consistent with achieving the goals I've set for myself? So if I say at the beginning of the year, and I was very focused, uh, even in my 20s, on, on setting goals. So if I say at the beginning of the year, I wanna you know, do A, B, and C, like when I do a mark to market, like what, how am I really spending my time? If I say I wanna to save to uh, make this up, buy a new car, right? But then I went out every Saturday and went out to eat every night, you know, and, and are my actions really consistent with the goals that I'm setting for myself? So I think it's more important to understand your goals Right. And then what are the routines that are supporting you getting to what you've articulated or envisioned? So that's going to be different for everyone. But I will say without routines, without like structure, and I'm not saying you have to say from eight o'clock to nine o'clock and then nine to 10, but you should have an idea of what am I doing to grow, to develop? If I want to get a new certification that gives me greater market, you know, marketability, like you should have a broader framework of 
how are you following through on or taking actions that will get you to the path which you've identified for yourself? Super important that you mentioned that. Just thinking that, you know, a lot of people in their 20s and above, you know, we all have these goals, resolutions, uh, things that we want to do. But a lot of times, you know, we don't really know how to strategically tackle those goals. So that's really important. I mean, you know, for example, me wanting to launch a podcast was something that I wanted to do for a long time, but I really had to sit down, you know, and, and be early into my process and understand, okay, how many people will I have to interview? Um, how often do I want to release an interview or an episode? So no matter what it is, if it's working out or getting a new job, it's great to have these larger goals or objectives where you really need key results that can really tell you how you're going to get there. There's, there's a minor uh, prophet in the Old Testament that talks about writing the vision and making it plain. And so uh, for me, writing down and sitting and actually spending time, uh, my wife and I would go away you know, on vacation, we made it fun and, and then focus on, on our goals. And the reason that's important is, is, is because of what you just said. If you only think about something in your head, but then don't commit to actually understanding what is required to bring that into fruition. So saying you want to do a podcast is nice, but understanding, you know, how I'm going to deliver, who I'm going to interview, What's the theme going to be? That process of writing down your plan to, to the same way you would in a business, right? Understanding like, what's my target market? You know, how am I going to reach? How, how will we evidence success? What will our calls to action be? What do I want the outcomes? When you begin to go through and ask yourself all those questions and write that out, then you can also socialize that with other people, your peer mentors and other people in your life, because then they may have a whole set of ideas that may enable you to pivot or take into account things you weren't considering. But if you only keep it up here and, and you haven't done the work to really, in, in a, a true uh, uh, way, like go through A to Z, then it'll just be a great idea that never came to fruition. Exactly. I love that. You need to plan. You need to have a solid plan because then you can really identify the resources you need to get there, the people that you need to be connected with, the things that you need to do in order to achieve your goals. So that's really important. Um, on the subject of people, though, I would love to discuss the importance of networking in your personal life, because looking at your resume, you've done a lot of amazing things. You know, after graduating from Duke, I saw that you had experience at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Um, as a senior relationship manager, Citigroup, and of course now you're with J.P. Morgan Chase. I'd love to hear about you know those post grad jobs uh, leading up to what you're doing now, and how important networking has been uh, throughout all those jobs. Networking, uh, in the simplest form, uh, it has been critical. It's been so impactful uh, for my career, but less just about the networking part, but more about developing relationships. And so I'll give you a story that will thread the needle between the, moving from the Federal Reserve uh, to City to J.P. Morgan. So I had a mentor that I, I, let me say this too, when you meet someone, you don't say, hey, will you be my mentor? That is the exact way not to do it. Uh, so, but what I would say is I, I had a, this competition, Executive Leadership Council, uh, which is a group of the most senior African-Americans in corporate America, happened to meet a, an executive you know, followed up, that's the key thing. You, let's say you go to a conference or whatever it is, make sure you always follow up, socialize my goals. And so uh, at, at, a, at one time, I remember I had a job opportunity outside of the Fed 
uh, had always shared my goals and a mentor asked me, say, how is this consistent with anything you've said to me? And I said, well, hmm, it's more money. It, it, it's more money and, and it's a better title. And then the mentor asked me, well, what's the next job after that job? It's more money, right? And, and again, the wrong reason to ever take a job, but at the time in my 20s, uh, you know, my financial situation isn't what it is in my 40s. Uh, and so again, I was almost going to make a decision that would not have positioned me for all the other moves I've been able to make. And so that's why it's good to have leveraging a network, but more importantly, building a relationship. So then fast forward, you know, when I uh, learned from that, but I was my fifth year at the Fed right before I left, um, again, opportunity came my way. Interestingly enough, I attended this function. I was on the board of, uh, of an organization. It was called the Art of Networking. So it was a function that, you know, again, we sponsored uh, a group called the, doesn't exist anymore, but I think the Urban Bankers Coalition, you know, uh, met someone, make a long story short, they said, hey, you should think about joining, you, you know, leaving the Fed and taking this opportunity. And so I went to a mentor and said, hey, you know, I was ready this time. Here's an opportunity uh, that they're offering me at another bank. You know, here's why I think it is consistent with my plans and my goals. And I never asked this mentor for a job or anything, worked at a different company. He said, wow, if you're willing to leave uh, the Fed, I want to try to hire you. So I'm like, okay. So then I interviewed with that company, ended up with two offers, uh, which then met the uh, other firms and increased their offer and I ended up joining. And so every move I made and then from City ultimately to JP Morgan, I'll spare you the details uh, of that, that story, but every move I've made uh, has certainly uh, involved relationships. So, so networking is the, the art of, you know, pu putting yourself in the space where you can meet and connect with people. But then there's the, always the, the next step. The next step is cultivating genuine relationships, right? And when you do that over time, when you don't have an ask, I met people and just connected on areas of interest or on you know, the fact that I felt there's insights that, that I could, could you know, really leverage from a person, not when I had an ask, not that I wasn't looking for a job. It was inevitably three years, five years, seven years, that person was critical for either information about an opportunity or ensuring that I was well positioned for an opportunity. So I would say, don't you know, overthink it and, and be too prescriptive and say, okay, I'm only going to talk to this person because you know, I want to move into real estate and they're in real estate. So I'm only going to talk to people in real estate. That is not the approach. You may want to be, you know, uh, in, in some cases, okay, yes, I'll be narrow there, but just meet people who are in different industries. Meet people who are in your industry. Meet pe people who are peers. Meet people who are more senior. Figure out how you develop relationships over time. And that becomes critical. There's so many amazing pointers there. I just want to break down a few. Um, but bottom line, you're saying relationships really do matter. And you've seen that in your successful career. So everybody that's listening and watching, really take that in. Relationships really do matter. 
But I love a point that you made towards the end as well. You don't want these relationships to be too transactional because like, you know, people really see that and that could turn off, you know, a lot of, you know, your colleagues or employers or people that you're working with. Um, you know, of course, there always needs to be value there, but value, some might say, is a two-way street. You know, if you want something from this relationship, you need to really see and, you know, really strategize what you can deliver back to that person. So that's really important. I'll give you a, a, an example. I was on the board of an organization and, you know, again, I love different topics. I'm passionate about a lot of topics and I happened to be at this event and I was talking to someone about education and the educational system. There was a young individual walked up, you know, gauged from the conversation that perhaps we weren't people that he needed to, you know, really connect with. So stood there, heard the conversation, you know, walked off. Then same event, you know, I'm talking to someone about obviously financial services, et cetera. Young man comes up and introduces himself. And, and so we introduce ourselves. I'm saying, who's like, I've been wanting to meet you. I said, you did uh, about 15 minutes ago when you walked in the conversation and then walked back, right? And so that's a perfect example. If you're too transactional, like I'm only going to meet this person. And because you hear a conversation, that doesn't on the surface relate to anything you're interested in. We were talking about educational systems and charter schools. You miss an opportunity where you can meet someone where, where there's not the pretense, you're just joining in a conversation. And then you learn, oh, coincidentally, this is the person I've been wanting to meet. And so that makes it easier to then have a next follow-up step because you just happen to connect on a conversation versus let me see your name tag. Oh, you say who? Let me tell you, I have this great idea. I want your thought, or or here's my resume. Like, no, that that again, it, <laughs> that happens. No, no one's waking up that day saying, you know what? I just don't have enough to do. I I, I need another mentee today. I need someone to say, uh, please give me your resume so I can help them find their job. Like, that's not generally how people wake up, right? So so again, you want to connect in organic ways and not be transactional organic and authentic. I love that. And your last little bit, it sounded like, a, you know, I heard a interview a few days ago with uh, Damon John from Shark Tank. And he just mentioned how annoying it can get when a lot of people are constantly, you know, like pitching ideas uh, to him and, you know, other people on the show. So, I mean, you know, it's people remember that and, you know, they're not going to want to interact or they're not going to want to work with you if you're not authentic and organic, as you mentioned. So it's really important to always be authentic um, in a professional environment. And another thing, just to give another piece of advice, when you go again, we're COVID now, so you're not going to conferences, but when you meet somebody and you send a generic email, hi, it was great meeting you at fill in the blank, would love to stay in touch. Just think of how many other emails they got just like that. So your, your response would be, it is great meeting you too. Yes, we should stay in touch. This person has no idea who you are because you didn't do anything that was differentiated. If you instead had a conversation with this person, and you talked about how uh, you know you thought economic for whatever the subject was, then you insert something back to being authentic. Really enjoyed hearing your insight on how the second quarter GDP could shape up. I uh, fill in the blank. Okay, now I've anchored you at least on the conversation I've had, right? And so then you've now created a way to connect that you don't just get the, the generic response, and that perhaps now that you can follow up because the person can identify who they were actually speaking to versus a generic, you know, great to meet you out of the 200 people you met this evening.
Very true. Um, so Sekou, I do want to pivot now to something that I was really, really excited to talk about, um, and that's advancing Black pathways. Um, so just to give some background to viewers and listeners, um, this is a program that was launched that you spearheaded, um, but it was launched by JP Morgan Chase for graduates of HBCUs and young professionals of color. Um, it's focused on driving change across education, career, and wealth creation. Um, and of course, JP Morgan Chase has committed to hiring 4,000 Black college graduates by 2024 and has committed $30 billion. Um, so again, this is a program that you led um, and it's something that really I'm just super excited to dive into. I'd love to hear about um, how you got involved with this project um, and what value you really um, walked away with. Uh, so for me, probably uh, the most impactful thing I've been able to do uh, in my career and just goes to show back to my earlier point. And you, if you're in your 20s, when I was in my 20s, I would not have written, okay, have job called Advancing Black Pathways where you work on leveraging the largest bank in the country's you know, philanthropic and business resources to try to close the racial wealth gap. Like, no, you wouldn't have written any of that because you wouldn't even be able to conceive it, right? So, but what you can do is understand your skill sets, you know, really take tangible actions. I was always engaged. So I had a reputation, not only as a performer in our investment bank and someone that, that constantly produced, but also someone who was interested and impact, right? And so I was tapped or tasked with, you know, creating and building out advancing black pathways. And I credit uh, Jamie Dimon, our chairman and CEO, my old boss, uh, Tashana Brown Duckett, who was CEO of Chase Bank, who's now uh, been named C CEO of TIAA. Uh, and so I was, I had the opportunity to build from scratch, a program, as you pointed out, that was focused on education, career and wealth creation, and so within our education, it was obviously hiring, providing opportunities. Uh, and within two years, we were at 60% of our 4,000 number and we've continued to uh, you know, really hire and, and hit record numbers in terms of providing opportunities. But we also provided financial health. For the first time ever, we went into colleges and had financial health, Howard University, for instance, uh, as part of freshman orientation. So it was such a unique opportunity to talk about financial health work with businesses to get access to capital content. Uh, so it was really looking at what's the job to be done when you think about what has transpired in this country to truly unlock greater opportunity. And so that's why we anchored on these three items because they're interconnected. Without education, it's difficult to have a career where you can build wealth. With education, if you can't maximize your career, it's still difficult to build wealth. And if you have education and a great career, if you don't have financial health, you can't build wealth because it's not how much money you make, it's what you keep and grow. And so we knew these were the anchors where we could understand how you drive resources. And again, it was a proud moment to see the firm continue to build on that work and to announce a $30 billion commitment to racial equity in, in our path forward to help Black and Latinx uh, businesses, et cetera. So really exciting moment. And, I had a phenomenal team that we built. JP Morgan had already done a lot investing in Detroit, launching an entrepreneur of color fund. So it was really building on uh, and understanding how you just continue to scale efforts. I love that, Sekou. And personally, I've been following Advancing Black Pathways for quite some time now. And again, it's an honor to be able to speak with you today. I mean, someone who led this program, but that's just going to have so much impact for years and years and years to come. 
Um, and to close out, I have just one more question because of course, you know, with Advancing Black Pathways, as I mentioned, it's gonna to continue to drive so much value to so many students that will graduate and go on and do amazing things. So this program really, really will matter and does matter so much. I will have to ask you though, what is your vision of this country in let's say 20 years? Um, you know, just with everything that you were able to create with Advancing Black Pathways, uh, where you see, you know, we're headed as a country, um, what is your vision for America? So I'll answer that in, in two ways. Uh, you know, we started Advancing Black Pathways before the social unrest that we saw, the George Floyd uh, moment, et cetera. And, and part of our hope was, uh, was a recognition first that one company alone can't, you know, make the progress that's needed to, to ensure that we continue to create more inclusive growth as a, as a country. But we, we, we didn't know that we could truly kickstart a moment where corporations leaned in heavily. So I'm proud to see private sector in, in their own way, different industries trying to figure out how we can you know, invest uh, in communities based on the things that we do. So that was a happy moment. The other reason I'm optimistic 20 years from now not just about ABP, but just about, again, what's happening from a leadership standpoint in private sector. But the other piece is, I'm doing this interview with you right now. So your generation, uh, and I'll, I'll say, you know, uh, Gen Z, millennial, I am so optimistic about what will be accomplished given the passion uh, that you all have to create greater opportunity and access for all. You're not going to want to, you don't want to work at companies that don't have a focus on the environment, you know, socially, you know, the, 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 everything, creating true economic justice. And so because you care in, in a profound way, the resources that are being deployed and, and the focus, uh, you're not going to work for companies that, that don't have a commitment around this stuff. And, or you're going to create your own companies that do, right? And so that is what has me most optimistic that we're finally, and we still have a long way to go. Let's not take any early victory lap, but we're finally getting greater capital opportunities to businesses that have been starved. And we also have this generation that, that is so focused on creating a better world. And they care about that more. The reason you would even launch a podcast to ensure that you provide an insight to help others on their journey. It's that same mindset that is going to, I believe, enable this generation to take, uh, to not have the hangups that we've had as my generation, but more importantly, have the innovation and ideas and, and without all the, <laughs> the baggage that we've had and really do things that bring us closer together forever and not that we're no longer worried about uh, some of the legacy hangups and, and issues that we've dealt with as a society uh, over the last generations. Well, Sekou, that really means a lot. Thank you so much. For people in their 20s, no pressure. No, I, mean, no, I mean, I do agree with you, though. Like, it is, it's going to be us. You know, we really have a lot of ideas and, you know, just a vision for where we want this country to head. Um, and again, as you mentioned, you know, we want to support brands and companies and organizations that really, you know, want to listen. Um, so it's amazing that, um, you know, it's going to be our generation that can really change the world. Um, and I do totally agree with you with that. 
And Sekou, those were all the questions I had. I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to speak with us on the podcast today. I understand you mentioned uh, during the podcast, you know, it's not good to approach anybody and ask them to be a mentor. But I will say that I have been following your journey um, personally for, again, some time now. So it's amazing that through this podcast, you're going to be able to serve as a virtual mentor to a lot of people in their 20s that are going to love your insights and your journey and everything you brought today. And I will say uh, on my LinkedIn profile, I have written articles, one on the art of mentoring uh, and networking. So, so there is some information, some tips out there uh, that I've shared based on my uh, collective experience in, in talking to people. And so feel free to, to read those articles uh, just, just because again, some of the stuff you wouldn't know. And so I wanted to make it very specific and tactical about tips. Yeah, not, not being so quick to label you know, will you be my mentor, but understanding what value can you offer uh, to a relationship and, and how can you then also learn from and, and that and value uh, someone's advice they're given in time. So. Of course, of course. No, I'll make sure to link those articles as well for people to reference. Um, but again, I hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much. This is a really big interview and I do just appreciate it so much. My pleasure. And again, you are the future. So all out there listening, you know, I'm excited. I'm optimistic. I have three kids who are also going to benefit from your brilliance, uh, your hard work, and your desire to make this world a better place. So keep doing what you do. Thank you again for even having me. And I'm so proud to see what you've created. So uh, I can't wait to see what you have in store as you continue your journey of impact. Thank you, Seiko. Thank you so much. It means a lot. really appreciate you. Thank you. My pleasure.